0: Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI TV, turning to the world of literature. Canada Reads is back. The shortlist for the 2024 contenders came out yesterday. Karen McKay has some insight on these contenders. Karen is the communications manager at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Hey, good morning, Karen. Nice to chat with you today.
1: Good morning. Happy Friday.
0: Karen, you're going to do a bit of a dive into a few of these ca- uh, titles that made the short list. But first and foremost, what do you think makes Canada Reads such a staple in the Canadian literary world?
1: I think it's partly because it's participatory in nature. Folks can watch or listen to the debates on a variety of different platforms. Uh, libraries often pick this up and schools often pick this up and do their own sort of reading challenges in in concert with the ones with Canada Read. So uh, you'll see lots of book clubs and and um, other sorts of reading opportunities come up. And, and so people can talk about it with their own circle. But also we get to have a bit of a national conversation. And the books they pick are often very diverse. And so it's an interesting way to sort of get at the, you know, at what makes Canada tick, I think. So I I love the whole idea of it.
0: Yeah, I like that people champion the title, right? That typically the way the debates work is somebody who's very, very smart (laughs) and very, very well-read ends up really standing for their particular title, for their particular nomination, and it becomes a pretty compelling operation. When are the debates taking place?
1: They're taking place March 4th to 7th. So you've got, what, six weeks, eight weeks to read these books if you want to read them all before the debates launch.
0: Right on. Okay, let's talk about some of the titles. Let's see if you can give the primer and people can make their own power rankings when they decide they're going to read each of these. You've mentioned one of these in the past, Bad Cree by Jessica Johns. If there's time towards the end of the segment, we can backtrack to it, but you've profiled that one a few times. But there's a few new ones here that you haven't talked about before. Shut Up, You're Pretty, stories by Taya Mutanji.
1: Yeah, so this one actually has had a lot of buzz before. It was on the 2019 Rogers Trust Fiction Prize shortlist, and it won the 2020 Edmund uh, White Award for debut fiction. So, uh, and also CBC named Muchani a writer to watch in 2019. So this is a bit of an older book. It's published, what, four or five years ago now? Muchani was um, a Congolese Canadian, and she's also the editor of Feel Ways, a Scarborough anthology, and she lives in Toronto. So this book... Uh, was actually the first to be published under the imprint from uh, Vivek Shera. So really an interesting book all around. It's a collection of short fiction, and it tells the stories of a young woman named Loli and her experiences coming of age in the 21st century in, in Scarborough. So we get to watch her as she sees someone decide to shave their head in an abortion clinic, as she bonds with her mother over fish, of all things, and she com- contemplates her Congolese traditions at a wedding. Uh... When she was interviewed about this book, she said that she first started writing these stories independently and then she realized that she was writing the same character for the protagonist. So she used that as sort of a way to to thread all these stories together and to show that this is one woman's experience um, and that she was really careful to say that this is not... it's not every woman's experience. It's just those experience of this one person. Um, she's quite passionate about making sure that uh, Black voices, immigrant voices are heard. And so she didn't want to sort of create this impression that she was speaking for everyone. So she views Loli as the central character in all of these stories to talk about um, all of the experiences that one woman might have. Uh, author, uh, author Catherine Hernandez reviewed this book and she said that it asks us to witness the journey of a girl into womanhood, holding her in arms, uh, the fragile understandings of femininity as a commodity, as a caretaker, and as a storyteller. And I mean, I love katherine Hernandez. She raved about this book. So I think it's a very interesting one for them to have added to the collection this year. And I'm excited to see how it gets defended.
0: Excellent. Okay, another one here on the radar. The Future by Susan O'Ree by uh, Catherine LaRue.
1: Yeah, so this is a really interesting book. It's going to be championed by author Heather O'Neill, who herself won um, uh, her book, Lullabies for Little Criminals, won Canada Reads in twenty seven. So this is a translated work, and I don't know whether Canada Reads has featured a translated work before. It's a very interesting story. Uh, so the author is Catherine LaRue, and she uh, worked with Susan Arai to, to translate it from French into English. Um, this book has already won the Jacques Broussard Award for speculative fiction. So it's got a really interesting premise. It's set in an alternate history of Detroit, where the French never surrendered to the U.S., and its residents live with poverty now, with pollution, and racism the story sort of centers on a grieving grandmother whose name is gloria and she's moved to the city to her daughter's house her daughter was found murdered and drowned in her own bathtub and judith's uh, daughters cassandra rather and matilda they're 15 and 12 and they've disappeared so gloria the grandmother comes to get to know the neighbors and to start to look for her grandchildren and she's getting nowhere with the police. So she finally decides to explore a local park called Park Rouge, which is basically a dense, impenetrable forest that's rumored to be inhabited by a bunch of uh, feral children. And in this case, the rumors are true. There's this group of kids living in this forest. Most of them are orphans, and they're looking out for each other. And they've created this really rigid set of rules and hierarchies. Uh, and one of the caretakers is a large pit bull named Priscilla. So the book is told through the views of all of these, well not all of them, but many of these different characters. So you get to see sort of how the experiences of of the children and the grandmother and the dog all come together to tell this story. Heather O'Neill said it's almost like a magical response to the Lord of the Flies book. You get to meet these feral, uh, feral murderous children whose meditations on life are so gorgeous and absurd and perverse that they're poetry and this wild group of children show us a model for a new society where everyone's dream of life is equally important so I think this is a really interesting um, premise for a book I'm excited to read it I haven't read it yet uh, but it's it's reviewed to be very funny to have a number of really entertaining scenes and in, in one scene there's um, bedroom stories and they're kind of a mashup of multiple fairy tales and the children perform them and so I just think it's it, it could be a very interesting somewhat startling but also maybe a bit whimsical book and i'm looking forward to reading this one
0: karen i think this one is familiar to me as well denison avenue by christina wong i want to say maybe you've talked about this one before
1: i don't know that i have but it is getting a lot of buzz it's going to be um defended by naheed nancy the former calgary mayor and this is um an interesting book it is um it's not a graphic novel, but there's images that come into the book that are really important um, to, the, to the book. And so we've had our um, accessibility team review it, and we've had a couple staff review it. And the images have both short descriptions and um, an alternative longer description. So if you just want to get the gist of what the image is, you can just read the short description in alt text. Uh, Or you can delve into it a little bit longer. There's a couple of sort of handwritten letters in the book and you can click in to get the full alt text of the letter or you can just get a summary. So I think that they've been careful about Uh, setting up the alt text to make it accessible in a couple of different ways. So this story is set in Toronto's Chinatown in Kensington Market, and it follows an elderly Wu Chu Sum who's living in the gentrified Chinatown, and she begins to collect bottles after the sudden loss of her husband as a way to sort of fill her day. She walks the streets and picks up bottles and cans, and she's trying to keep her grief and her loneliness at bay. So she meets a number of new friends as she walks around the, the city. She also confronts racism and classism, and she's learning to sort of build a new life as a widow. The, the story really is a meditation on loss and gentrification and aging and the barriers for Chinese Canadians, um, especially seniors in a big city. It's beautifully com- uh, combined with some visual art. So uh, I'm hoping that that AMI listeners can really get what they they need from this book. I think it's a beautiful um, intermelding of the two art forms but it's certainly something that you could read without the the image descriptions as well so Christina uh, sorry Christina Wong is a toronto writer she's a playwright she's a multi multi disciplinary uh artist and she also works in sound installation and audio documentary so she's bringing all of her creative forces into this book
0: and one more title to talk about here meet me at the lake by carly fortune
1: So we have talked about this one before. Uh, It was a great summer read, lots of buzz about this book. It follows 32-year-old Fern uh, Book Briggs, who she can't stop thinking about this perfect day she spent in her 20s with a man named Will Baxter. And they promised to meet up a year later, but Will never showed up. And then Fern ends up moving to her mother's Muskoka resort and managing it. And it's something that she never thought she would do. Uh, she puts a call out for help Um, something happens in the novel and she needs some help and she's shocked when Will shows up at her door and he says that he wants to stay. Uh, Fern knows that Will has a secret, but she's not sure if she's ready to hear it all these years later. So Carly Fortune is a Toronto-based journalist. She's worked as an editor. This is her second book. Uh, Her debut was Every Summer After. I think we might have talked about that one on the show as well. This is, um, it delves into some deep themes. So it's also a really lovely sort of summer read about life at the lake. And and if you want to escape the winter uh, and be in Muskoka, even just virtually, this would be a great read.
0: Karen, there's about a minute left here. So why don't you take a second to talk about Bad Cree? Uh, That's a book that you've talked about before. It's really been part of the cultural zeitgeist for the better part of a couple of years now. So uh, Bad Cree, why why is that one worth a read as well? So
1: Jessica Johns, who's the author, is a... Queer member of the Sucker Cree First Nation, and she's written this sort of suspense book. Uh, it's about a young woman named Mackenzie who's having these horrible nightmares, and that they're uh, forcing her to confront the death of her sister and the legacy of her family. Um, these dreams sort of start to take over in her waking hours. So a murder of crows stalks her. She wakes up dreaming. Uh, wakes up from a dream of drowning by throwing up water, and she's getting threatening text messages from someone who's claiming to be her sitter, sister rather. So she travels north to Alberta, to her family, and they're all reeling as well from similar issues. Uh, and so they, together, they sort of take on what happened at the lake and what did it have to do with Sabrina's death. Uh, and the idea behind the title is that only a bad Cree would put family at risk, but Mackenzie really needs to understand what's happening in her life. Uh, so this is a very interesting book, lots of buzz, and I, I'm not surprised it made this list. Hey, Karen, thank you for
0: all the work that you and your colleagues are doing. What an interesting list and what an interesting opportunity for folks to engage with some of this great Canadian literature. Have a lovely weekend. Talk to you in a couple weeks.
1: Thanks so much.
0: That is Karen McKay. Karen is the communications manager at the Centre for Equitable Library Access. You can follow CELA on X at Sela Library, at Sela Library. That's all the time there is for the show today. That's all the time there is for the show this week. Don't worry, things kick off again Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time. You'll catch up with some of the regulars like Marco Pasqua and Michelle McQuig. Sean Priest is stopping by. It's gonna be a fantastic time hanging out with some of your friends on a Monday. Until then, I'm Dave Brown, reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Like we do every single Friday, we give thanks and major gratitude to the people who work their tails off to put this show together on the day-to-day in the control room, behind the scenes, and on the air. So like I do every Friday, let's say it together, roll those credits, gang.
2: Dave Brown. Co host producer Alex Smythe. Sports reporter Brock Richardson. Entertainment reporter Laura Bain. Contributors Ramia Nisrina Nisreen Abdelmajid. Senior show producer Andrika Delanero, Visual producer Bruce Baclarian. Producers Paul Daniel, Marianne Dion Jones, Bob Pagrak. Production assistant Inksley Juko. DB producer Mark Phoenix. Director Anastasia Spalding Stenhouse. Control room operators Daniel Panamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtobe, Caitlin Robinson. Operations coordinator Jordan Mulgrave. Manager of operations Kyle Harper. Manager of live productions Paula Denine. Director of content development Kara Nye. Vice President of Programming, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback. one 509 Hey, Dave
0: Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV.